Curtin Kate Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. Is happily ever after a myth, or can you experience something even better? Well, Dana Gresh says you can get something much better out of your life, and we spoke to her about that. Couples don't ride off into the sunset after their honeymoon. The truth is, okay, guys, truth alert here. Marriage can be challenging. Sometimes it's downright hard. And maybe you are in that season right now, and you're a bit discouraged. Oh, you mustn't go anywhere. you got to hang out with us. All right, so, Dana, let's talk about this. Um, Let's talk about the myth. You know, we tend to believe, even even though we kind of know it doesn't work out this way in real life, why is it that we believe that once we're married, you know, everything is, is going to work out without any challenges and or struggles? You know, it's that infatuation and romantic phase and after the honeymoon and all of that. Um, we don't want to be a downer and you want to be a realist, but why do we buy into this myth anyway? Well, I think, you know, we're fed that myth our entire lives. It wasn't really until the last hundred years that people were marrying for romantic reasons. It was much more practical until Hollywood and pop music and all of that stuff. And now we're fed this line that we're supposed to see someone from across the room and have this magnetic attraction and then ride off into the sunset. But nobody rides off into the sunset for happily ever after. Uh, even though some marriages are hard, uh, or, uh, even though all marriages have hard moments, I should say, some of us do face especially painful hardships when there is less than pornography involved, which is about... of Christian marriages Hmm. struggling deeply with those issues. Hmm. Wow. You know, um, that brings up a thought for me. My parents were happily married. They were together like 66 years before they passed. And and, as Hmm. a child, they said they're never going to argue in front of us. So I never saw it. So I think I sort of thought marriage should be that easy. Now, I talked to Mm. my mother later, and she said, oh, no, we argued. We just never argued in front of you guys. Mm. You know, there were seven of us, and we never saw it. They were tricky. But, I mean, I think in a way, not having discussions and working things out civilly in front of the kids is kind of a disservice. Yeah, well, I guess I could go two ways on that. One. One thing is your parents were honoring you yes, and showing you. I think it's really important that we show our children that marriage is a beautiful thing. Um, they're In their early preschool years, they're copycats. They are going to do whatever you do. And then in their actually elementary school and tween years, they become kind of pessimists. And they're like, uh, are mom and dad really believing what they live out? And so when you see parents work through things well or work through things with control or um, loving each other, kissing each other. Those are really important cues for children. So, uh, But it's also important that we have a realistic expectation about what marriage is going to look like or we get into it and we are pummeled and we don't know how to handle it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. By the way, yeah. I love my parents. They're wonderful. And <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not <laughs> complaining about it, but I just kind of wish I understood that a little better. Yeah, just, you knew, yeah. 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 I can understand your point of view on that for sure. You know, one of the things that may be a big idea, Dana, over our conversation today is is God can redeem marriages 
that are in really bad shape. And I think Mm -hmm. we give up too soon because it's so hard. Yeah. Well, um, God can redeem anything, right? So Mm -hmm. for Bob and I, uh, Bob confessed to me in our red leather chairs in my living room that he was fighting a battle with lust and pornography. And it was ground zero day for us. It was a devastating day. But we decided to fight for each other, not with each other. We made that intentional decision. And we walked through a harrowing couple of years as we unlearned bad habits that we had both contributed to the marriage and really learned how to enter into authentic, raw, real emotion and got the community and the support we needed. And I relearned things and he relearned things, especially communication. Well, when I tell you, I hated those red chairs. I hated those red chairs so much. I had them removed from my home. But here's the thing. They were really expensive red chairs. And so I couldn't get myself to like eBay them or anything like that. So I um, moved them to my offices, the True Girl offices, and put them in an obscure place. Well, at a certain point in the story, I felt the Lord tugging at my heart. I can redeem everything, Dana. So I moved those chairs back into my living room. And I am telling you, they became the chairs where I welcomed my grand, my twin grandbaby girls, where I watched my daughters become aunts, where we have counseled countless couples through their redemption journey, where we have prayed with people. And when uh, two years ago, when I wrote a book, I had my daughter-in-law write a foreword for it, not knowing. She didn't know about the red chair story. She wrote the foreword and said, these red chairs, when you sit in them, you are cuddling up with Dana and with Jesus to hear about how to live out God's redemption. And why did she say that? Because those were the red chairs where I sat with her and counseled her heart. God can redeem everything mm. in your life. He doesn't just fix it. He doesn't just recover it. He doesn't just repair it. He redeems it, which means he makes it better than it was before. Happily, even after, let God redeem your marriage. This is a book that is not only real, it is filled with hope. Hope that's built on the scriptures, hope that's built on Jesus, okay? We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. Leave your comments and your thoughts. We appreciate your feedback. You can give us a review. Also, don't forget to like us, follow us, subscribe as well. What would you say to, to a wife who is listening this morning and she has just discovered that her husband is struggling in this area? Um, what would you like to tell her? Tell someone. Um, it, it's not something you can navigate alone. A lot of times in the church, um, we believe the lie that it's just pornography, wasn't an affair, it'll be okay, I'm going to be fine, he's going to be fine. We believe the lie, he believes the lie, he won't do that again. Um, Sometimes he's very repulsed by a sin, but he can't stop it. What we know is that pornography is has more dopamine impact, that's the chemical, the feel-good chemical. When we experience dopamine, our brain is saying, that felt good, do that again. So we feel it when we exercise, we feel it when we eat, we feel it when we use drugs like cocaine or heroin. And all of these things have a dopamine hit that that really trails off within an hour to two hours. But a pornography hit will last 
hours, five, six, seven hours. Wow. This is one of the most addictive substances on earth. And you're saying, well, there's not a substance. Well, your brain is creating dopamine. And um, so a man who, if you look at a, a, a single photon emission computerized to tomography scan, a SPECT scan of a healthy brain, you're going to see a smooth surface of a brain. But scan a man who's compulsively using pornography or misusing God's gift of sex, and you're going to see a brain that looks like Swiss cheese. Mm. This man's brain is highly compromised, and it's similar to that of someone who has used heroin. And I hear women all the time, it starts in their 20s and their 30s, their 40s, and they're still on this cycle of, my husband's using pornography once a month. Yeah, his brain is compromised. He needs clinical help and biblical help. And I think it's important that women understand that because when it goes over and over and over again and it becomes a cycle, her brain isn't well either. We're seeing that about 70% of wives of husbands who use pornography regularly have symptoms of PTSD. That doesn't mean they would be diagnosed with PTSD, but they have symptoms similar to it. And I was one of those women and I didn't know it. I just knew something was wrong with me. My brain was fuzzy. It wasn't working the way that it used to. I thought maybe I was aging. My body had aches and pains that didn't make any sense. But when Bob finally confessed to me, we began to put together the, the my symptoms with his problems. And he says, you know, Dana, I think it's really spiritual because I could see that when I acted out, you were you would become unwell. It's a very spiritual thing. It's a very dark spiritual thing. He said, I was bringing that into our home. And it's when my husband repented and got honest before God, honest before other men, got the clinical help that he needed, and went from weekly help to daily help that we began to win the battle together. Well, see, there's the hope mm-hmm. I was talking about. Yeah. But in yeah. the beginning, were you very angry? Ah, uh, stunned. More stunned than angry. But uh-huh. yeah, anger did come. I actually threw things at him once, mm-hmm. not only once, so... But that was a part of my brain not working well. That was a part of me not being me. Um, I'm not an angry person. <clears throat> I'm not a. <clears throat> I'm not an easily frustrated person. But my brain didn't work well. I, I can't urge you enough that there are clinical complexities to this that we understand now, and we help couples couples navigate through. I write about them in the book, and women are like, it's like Eureka. Ah, that's what's going on with me. I understand that. Yeah. yeah. What about your feelings? Did you feel hurt? Did you feel uh, like maybe he didn't love you, that kind of thing? Well, I never questioned Bob's love for me, and there was never a moment that he questioned his love for me. He loved me desperately. In fact, the reason he carried the secret for so long is because he didn't want to hurt me. Mm. But there really wasn't a way to intimacy without him telling me what he'd been battling. And... um at the same time, I did try to pretend for a while that it was okay, you know, put on my dress and my, my red lipstick and go to a wedding the day after he confessed it to me. That doesn't work. You have to grieve. You have to be mm-hmm. deeply sad. Yep. The Bible talks about um, lamenting sin. And a lot of times when there's sin in our lives, we believe the lie that as Christians, we're just supposed to have a happy face. We're supposed to arrive a, a rise above it. We're supposed to be Christians, and so obviously it's not going to hurt us as deeply as somebody else would because we have Jesus. Well, that's not true. The Bible gives us a pattern of lamenting sin, grieving over sin, and that's an important step for a woman in overcoming the her husband's battle with lust and pornography and how it's impacted her heart. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
You know, you have a, a section of your book, Equipped for Redemption, and one of the things you point out here, it's, it's a truth that maybe we're aware of, but we need to be reminded of it uh, all the time. Um, and the way you put it in your book is your husband can't be there for you, but the Lord is your strength. In other words, yeah. uh, you need to look to the Lord first, not your spouse. Well, he, the one who broke your heart has no power to heal your heart. He, he needs his own healing. And God didn't create him to be your healer. He created him to be your partner. And so the only one who can heal your heart is Jesus. And if you keep looking to your husband to come in on a white horse to heal you, you're going to be waiting in disappointment for a very long time. My husband has been a beautiful part of my healing journey, but he is not my healer. And I had to first do my own work, roll up my sleeves. Uh, uh, here's a picture. Let's say um, I, you know, you're like warming up for a jog, and you're swimming, swinging your elbows around, and all of that kind of thing. And I walk around the corner and walk right into your elbow, and I have a bloody nose. You're so sorry because you're so kind because you're just like that. But who has to go to the hospital to get their nose cauterized? You or me? Yeah, I do. No, right. I have to go get my nose cauterized. It's like that. When your husband um, has an affair, my husband didn't, but if your husband has an affair, your heart needs to be worked on by you and Jesus and whoever God gives you as your team. If your husband looking at pornography, your heart has to be worked on by you and Jesus and whoever God gives you to work on that. Um, he can't fix it. You have to go to the hospital for yourself. Mm. See, this is so vitally important for us to keep in mind, because mm -hmm. you can't, at the end of the day, uh, again, as something we all know, you can't control uh, the responses or the behaviors of anybody else, your spouse included. So, Dana, that's where trust in the Lord comes in. And I know that almost sounds like a Christian platitude, but it really is not. It is filled with truth. You know, trust in the Lord, continue to do good. By the way, I need to add this. This is something that we cannot do in our own strength. Yes, it is a choice that we make, but we need the strength of God to make it through these tough times. Yeah. Um, when David was, when, when David and the men that were with him lost their wives and their children to the Amalekites, of course, the men were angry and they rejected him. And here, here he is, the man who was supposed to be king, and he's among the rejects of rejects, and now they've rejected him. David doesn't reason with them, fight with them. He goes away to be strengthened by the Lord. And then after he was strengthened by the Lord, he came to those men and he reminded them, your fathers, your husbands, let's go get our wives and our children. He reminded them who they were. He couldn't have done that in the flesh, but he did that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we have to do as wives. We can't, we can't enter into, I had, to, I had to ask the Lord for wisdom about how I entered into conversation with Bob. So otherwise, I would do it in my flesh, and it would have been more hurtful, more pain, more sin in our, our marriage. But if I strengthened myself in the Lord on a regular basis and said, God, how do I respond to this? How do I talk to him? How do I love him today when he's hurt me? Um, through that strength in the Lord, I was able to contribute to the victory of God's redemption story in my husband's life. And you know what? What a gift to be a part of God's redemption story in a man's life. You know, you're not a fool to do that. You're not a fool to be a part of a man's redemption story. You're a tool in God's hands. 
enter into that as the gift that it is. Wow. Mm-hmm. I might also mention that Bob wrote the foreword for your book. Yeah. My man's awesome. <laughs> he he participated in this in a really big way. He's working on a book for men right now. We've come out with a, a seven-podcast, limited-episode podcast where he helps tell the story so that the husbands, after the wives read the book, can hear the heart of my husband and hopefully enter into their own redemption work. Wow, that's great. Look how God is using this, Dana. Yeah. This is just like God to do something <laughs> like this. I, I just love it this is. aspect of his character, who he really is. But yeah. we need to give He's him the good. opportunity to, to, to work in our lives. You know, again, that's a decision we make, isn't it? Amen. Dana Grash, our guest. Thanks, Dana, for being with us. Uh, you're always Thank welcome you, God. to Bless join you us. guys. You too. I've loved it. Always love our conversations with you, and we're so uh, appreciative of how the Lord has used you through the years, through your books, and through your ministry. We really we do appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Curtain Cape Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.